Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Before starting the interview, I just wanted to take a moment and fill you all in in some of the circumstances surrounding our conversation this week. Um, this week's interview is with our wonderful cousin Carl Louder, and as we were set up to record this episode, we gathered together in the morning, and just before we, we all got together to record, we actually received the news of the sudden passing of our grandfather. And so as you listen to this episode, we might seem a little bit solemn, but at the same time, it was a wonderful comfort that morning to get together with family and to talk about some of our mission memories. Our grandfather, Dean Lauder, served a three-year mission in France when he was a young man. Uh, he loved his mission and his experience, and he would actually go on to later uh, move to Quebec and become a French professor. And his, his mission really changed his whole life and changed the way that he would raise his children and thus changed the way that his grandchildren were raised. And so we're really thankful for our grandfather and his missionary service. He really inspired all of us to serve missions. I remember hearing stories from his mission in France and always wanting to have similar experiences and some of his stories would have been set to record on this podcast one day. We had always had in the plans for Grandpa Dean to join us on this podcast one day. Instead, we would just like to dedicate this episode um, to his memory and thank him for all of the inspiration that he gave us to go and have wonderful adventures on our missions for ourselves. Hello and welcome to This One Time on My Mission. I'm your host, Spencer Miller. And I'm your co-host, Ben Miller. Uh, we want to take a minute and let you know about our Instagram. It's growing, it's huge, and we want you to keep getting involved. Um, we're hoping for you to send us your missionary pictures um, of you on your mission or of missionaries you see. Maybe snap a, a picture with them, a selfie. Um, and when you get that picture, please send it to us uh, on our Instagram, Toto My Mission, this one time on my mission. We're huge. Perfect. <laughs> All right, and this week we have a, another special guest with us, and his name is Carl. <laughs> Hello, Carl. Hello. <laughs> Carl uh, is our cousin, but he's still special to us. Um, Carl has been home. How long have you been home from your mission? Uh, it'll be two years in September. Okay, look at this. That's been a long time. Um, and the way it worked out, I guess we all overlap in our missions a little bit, so... Um, I'm excited because I haven't even heard that much about Carl's mission, so this is exciting for me, and I know it's exciting for all of us, so let's dive right in and learn about your mission, Carl. Sounds good. Yeah. First of all, first of all, tell us where you served, Carl. I served my mission in Houston, Texas. And is that a place that you pictured yourself serving when you were a kid? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> no. No. I, I didn't. I'm just like, man, I'm going to go to Houston. That is the place. That's the place. So what was, do you remember, I'm sure you remember, tell us about when you opened your mission call and you saw Houston, Texas, what was that like? Um, it was kind of surreal. Um, I went and I picked up my mission call at, out of the mailbox and I took it back to my room all by myself and opened it there um, all alone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a few nights prior, my dad had asked me to guess where I would serve my mission. And at the time I was watching the district videos uh, the, when they're in San Antonio. And I told him that I felt like I was going to go to Texas. And so a few minutes later, he came down with a list of all the missions in Texas. And uh, I decided or guessed that I would be going to Houston, Texas. No way. Yeah. Oh and so when I opened, I kind of thought it was surreal. But <laughs> nope, Houston, Texas, Spanish speaking. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Spanish speaking. And you had the very special experience of being one of the first missionaries 
to end up in the Mexico MTC. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so what was what was that whole experience like arriving there and being in the hustle and bustle of a new missionary training center? It was uh it was really exciting. It was a lot different. Um I had never been outside of Canada or the United States, and so this was my first time visiting Mexico. And uh, it was quite an adventure getting there. My initial flight, I had said goodbye to my family and my initial flight had been canceled. And so I had to find a phone a couple of hours later and call my dad and ask him to come pick me up. <laughs> and uh, so he did. And I explained to him why. And, uh, and we, luckily the, the workers in Salt Lake were really helpful in rescheduling a new flight for me. And I was able to make it to Mexico. Arrived around midnight that evening and it was pouring rain and... I uh, got on a bus with a couple of strangers from the from the workers from the from the MTC and arrived to my room where my companion was not found. There's only one mattress in the room. Um, and so I stayed my first night in Mexico all by myself. And uh, the Mexico MTC, I think, is a lot different than than the Provo MTC in that it really is um, kind of a sanctuary for missionaries. Um, there's border guards around the walls. Um, it's it's very much a safe haven in a place that looks kind of worn down and, and is different at least than, than what I was used to growing up. Um, and the, the time that I got there was, I think, the second transfer or third transfer since it had opened. And so they're still trying to make a lot of adjustments to um, the food and um, they had committee members from Salt Lake coming and uh, asking the missionaries what they liked and what they didn't like and what they would change for future missionaries. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was an interesting experience, very different, um, but but wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, if I was a committee member from Salt Lake, tell me what you did like, <laughs> what you didn't like, and what you would change about your experience <laughs> in the MTC. Um, I remember distinctly one one elder in my district, as soon as he was asked that question, he put up his hand and he said, can we please have salt and pepper? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of the food is not my favorite and salt and pepper would make it a lot better. That's interesting though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're still um, in the process of, I guess, figuring out what missionaries like to eat and... Uh, because the, those who worked in the kitchen were from the, from that city and were, were cooking very traditional food for them. And so it was a lot different. And, uh, but for the most part, it was pretty good. Anything you would, you would want to change? Anything like specifically? Even just to your experience, yeah. not the MTC itself. About about the food? No, or? about your time in the MTC. Like, is there something, if you went back and had to do it over again, what would you change? Um, I think if anything, I would have changed my preparation before entering the MTC mm-hmm. or I, I don't know if there's any way you can prepare yourself for it because you just, no matter what, you always have an expectation going into it, of uh, what you imagine it is going to be like, and then you get there and it's very, very different. Um, and so, no, I, I don't know, looking back, if there's anything that I would change about the experience itself, I think everybody's experience in the MTC is different and and it's a great thing. You mentioned your your expectations having to change. Um, I think that happens for almost everybody. What did you think missionary work was going to be like? And how did that change for you when you first got to Texas and actually got into it? Right, yeah. A missionary work, I thought, from my experience and my interactions with missionaries um, from home, I always thought missionary work was 
was uh, a happy work and a work that moved along easily and that um, you had to work for it. But I guess I, I knew that you had to, it was work, but I didn't realize how much work had to be put in in order for that work to happen. Um, so going into it, I, I think I imagined that it would, everything would kind of fall into place and that everything would go smoothly, and it really wasn't. I remember the feeling of first walking into my apartment when I got to Houston with my trainer and realizing that no one else was around and that it was literally just the two of us. And if, that we, want, if we wanted to, we could have just sat there all day. And uh, that was kind of a shock to me. Because in the MTC, you're still, there's still, you still have your other, more people around you and people watching mm -hmm. you and kind of looking after you. But once you're out there, you're out there and over, there's no really um, supervision. Yeah. I uh I like that thought you said about how yeah, the work requires work as a missionary. You when you're preparing for your mission, you think it's just yeah, it's going to be work. But when you get out in the field, you re you kind of realize that yeah, to work you need to work and like you have to study and plan so that you can go and work and it's interesting that idea. Um and yeah, it's so true that there's eyes on you in the NPC, but as soon as you're out, there's there's no eyes on you. It's just you and your companion, and you can do whatever you want, um, which is hopefully good stuff, or you can not do anything at all, which is not so bueno. <laughs> <laughs> For your Spanish-speaking skills yeah. right there, you're welcome. Speaking of Spanish-speaking skills, <laughs> was how was your experience learning Spanish, especially when you got into the field and you showed up in a Spanish word on Sunday? Was it overwhelming, or were you able to handle it pretty well? Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was difficult <laughs> to, to say the least. Um, the MTC helps you prepare really well, as much as you really can in, in the short amount of time that you're there, but there nothing really compares to once you're out there and you're forced to just to go out and you're serving amongst those people who, who you want to communicate with, but you don't necessarily know how to quite yet. My trainer had uh, just finished his training when I was assigned to him. Wow. And so there were two of us who, he had, what, three or four months of experience with Spanish, and I had a month of, of experience with Spanish, and we were expected to go in and teach strangers um, about the gospel of Jesus Christ in a completely different language. And uh, it, was, it was hard, but it was so fun. I, I really, really enjoyed getting to know um, the language and the people, and the way, not only the language, but the way that they spoke. One thing that's... Um, as special about Houston is that there are a lot of immigrants and a lot of uh, a lot of people from different parts of South America, and so the way that they speak and the way that in they interact with each other is a little bit different, and you kind of had to learn how to communicate with with people from different countries in different ways. And so, um, did you ever feel while learning trying to learn Spanish? Did you ever feel like at one point maybe giving up? Um, and if so, like how did you overcome that? Or if you never felt that way, how did you? manage that i think there's people out there who are trying who are go but sorry who are serving missions trying to learn language and they struggle a lot um i guess like yeah any advice for them yeah i think i don't know if, um during my time as a missionary if there was a point where i felt like giving up on trying but i know that that happened to a number of missionaries around me um i do i, I can recognize a point in my mission where i started feeling comfortable with where i was at and i think that that was uh a plague that needed to be avoided because uh, obviously my language wasn't perfect, but I could get by with what I knew. 
And uh, I was fortunate to have a mission president who was really, um, really keen on ensuring that we continued to, to improve our Spanish. And uh, I would see other missionaries who had been out longer who, who could speak um, more fluently and speak more eloquently. Um, and I really wanted to be able to communicate the way that they could. I felt like if I could communicate better, then I could um, better share the feelings that I had or the things that I really wanted to say to those who I was interacting with. Do you remember any experiences you had as a new missionary um, when you perhaps couldn't quite speak so eloquently yet, but where you really felt the Spirit, you know, testifying through you um, in a in a lesson or in a sharing a testimony where you could really feel that Heavenly Father was communicating through you regardless of, of your ability to speak Spanish? Yeah, I think I think there were a number of occasions, um, especially in the first couple of chances of my mission, where the desire was there, um, but the knowledge of the, of the language wasn't. And so that kind of allowed for a, an unspoken language to be to be present there, where, um, like you you mentioned, the spirit is there, and you're able to connect and communicate with um, with those around you on a different level, um, even though it might not be as eloquent as you want it to be. The feeling is there, um, the feeling of of the words that you do know are able to be carried into the hearts of those that you're teaching. And uh, those moments were really, really special. Yeah. Nice. Well, we want to get a better idea of what serving in Texas is like. So we want to play a little bit of a game with you that uh, we made up just for you, Carl. And the game is called, <laughs> Is It Bigger in Texas? <laughs> and so, yes, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. So Ben has a, a few... Um, a few items that we're going to ask you, and you're going to tell us if they're bigger in Texas or not. Okay. Okay. First up, is the food truly bigger in Texas? It is, absolutely. <laughs> it is. Um, we went to, there was somebody that we were teaching that gave us a gift card to a restaurant because they found out that we'd never had catfish before. And so we went, and on the menu there was a Texas-sized catfish, and there was Texas-sized chicken fried steak. No. And so we thought we would try both. And so we got both. <laughs> and it, when it came up to our table, I could not believe how big it was. It was I can't really... Uh, okay, how would I say it? It was probably... The, it was like the size of the plate. Um, oh, my goodness. So a normal-sized plate, yeah. A piece of chicken fried steak and a piece of catfish that size. We didn't finish it. Wow. So if you were to walk into like let's say McDonald's, do they have supersize me or do they have like do they have like a supersize or like a Yeah, they have size? I don't know if they have well they have like the largest size you can get at McDonald's. I don't know if they do supersize anymore. Okay. But they have like uh they have special like Texas burgers oh at McDonald's like and uh, at Carl's Jr. You know, they wow. have their own own burgers. Interesting. Okay. Uh next one, uh are the dogs or like cats are they bigger in Texas? Uh, they people's pets are they? In some places, yeah. In yeah, I I don't know. Probably pretty average size. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever get chased by any dogs? <laughs> like any massive dog? Yeah, often, <laughs> often, especially in my first area. When we rode bikes, there were a couple of streets we'd go down and and we would keep rocks in our pockets to throw at them as we biked by to distract them. <laughs> <laughs> just to distract them. Yeah, just hoping that they wouldn't bite our tires or us. <laughs> or us. Uh, okay, this one. 
I hope it's like, hopefully it's not offensive at all. But are the people bigger in Texas? <laughs> Some people, yeah, <laughs> they are. Um, On the average, or is it? And I don't mean maybe not like necessarily weight, but are people taller, bigger? Like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of tall. There is there are relatively tall people. Their hearts are very big. <laughs> They're Perfect. very very kind people. Uh, there's a lot of southern love down there, that, or southern hospitality that is. Uh, a lot different than other places. Mm. So they're bigger in that sense. Perfect. Are the missionaries bigger in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> Did you put on any weight while you were there? No, actually, I lost about uh, 20 pounds or so while I was in Texas. Oh, wow. um, I, had a, I had a missionary companion who uh, lost about 70 pounds while he was in Texas. Wow. And I knew other missionaries who gained about 80 pounds while they were in Texas. So... It really depended on those who dedicated themselves to uh, their exercise in the morning and who watched what they ate. But if you wanted to gain weight, you, you very could. well could. <laughs> uh, okay, and then this last one here. Uh, were, the, or sorry, were the guns bigger in Texas? Uh, the guns? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd Is say the like... guns were probably normal-sized, but I definitely did see a lot more guns there than I... Bigger amounts? The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Much, <laughs> a much larger amount. People were a lot more open about their guns. Was that scary at all? Is that or is it normal, safe? Like what? What's that like? Um, in some instances, it was kind of scary. I had a couple of uh, accounts where I ran into people with guns, and uh, one of which we were teaching an investigator, and who kind of lived out in the country, and we showed up, and he was sitting on a chair looking up at the sky. And on one knee, he had a flask um, full of some sort of alcohol. And on the other knee, he had a pistol. And uh, we felt very uncomfortable. That was a good combo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, needless to say, we didn't stay there for too long. So that was, I guess, an instance where guns were not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's good to know. I think that's, I'm always wondering, I'm always curious, are things bigger in Texas and now we know? Yes. That's how we play. Are things bigger? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for playing with us, Carl. No problem. Um, Okay, well, before we started recording, you were telling us that um, perhaps unique to your experience or something that was special to you about your mission is that you said that you really enjoyed every single one of your companions, that you had good relationships with them, that you liked all of them. Um, And we were talking about how uh, that's not, yeah, let me restart. We were talking about how that maybe says more about you as a person <laughs> than it does maybe about all your companions. I think that um, you always have people tell you that, oh, you're going to get a bad companion or you're going to have to struggle at some point. There'll be someone you don't like. And so, Carl, tell us how you were able to foster a good relationship with each and every one of your companions. Um, I... That's, I think that's a difficult question to answer for me. I think I was just very fortunate with those who I was assigned to serve with. Uh, every single one of them was very unique in their own way. Um, they had very specific interests and in pers- different personalities, whether it was uh, very athletic or very artsy and into kind of the drama things or, um, or from a different country. Every, every companion of mine was different in that sense. And so for me, it was easy to learn to love them because it was like learning to love a new thing every couple of months. Um, now, for the, I enjoyed my, my companionships. I'm not sure if all of them enjoyed all of their companionships <laughs> with me. Um, but one thing I really appreciated about all my companions is that they were always very honest. 
uh, with me about uh, just about how things were going and how I could improve and how uh, I guess their opinion on how uh, how we should go about the work and so I think uh, just learning to appreciate their different perspectives and and the different their different ways of living really made it easier for me to to appreciate all of them mm-hmm. um, I have two questions for you then about companionships um, one what advice would you give to someone preparing to serve a mission about how to have a good companionship and two what did you learn on your mission that has helped you in your companionship with your wife <laughs> two very good questions I would say <clears throat> to those who are preparing to serve missions one thing um, that I feel would help you in uh, having a good relationship with the companions you'll have as a missionary uh, is to be open with them and uh, to ask questions about them and and to ask questions when you have questions about things, but just to have honest conversations with them and and to to, to be real and to to be your best self, but to to be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. And what did you learn that that's helped you in your relationship with your wife? Um, the importance of of serving uh, the individual that you're with. Uh, I think in order to have a healthy relationship with anybody, you have to give of yourself to others. And the moment that you do, um, that service is given back from the other individual. It's just a mutual relationship you give to to receive. I was just learning about this the other day. Um, it's called a symbiotic relationship when you both benefit. And it's like commensalism is when one benefits and the other one doesn't. And then there's parasitism where one does and the other one is just negatively affected. I was <laughs> Somebody give this guy a PhD. Thank you. I'll take it. Um, <coughs> another experience that not every missionary has is um, serving in missionary leadership and Carl, you actually had the um, probably a, a pretty unique experience that not everyone gets of serving as an assistant to the mission president. Would you be able to tell us maybe a little bit about what an AP is, what do they do, and what was that experience like for you? I'm, I'm sure it's a lot different in every mission, what the assistants are um, asked to do in our particular mission. At the time that uh, I was asked uh, to serve in that leadership role, um, the assistants had their own area that they were responsible for. We were actually covering a, a young single adults ward as well as a family ward at the time. Uh, we were responsible for going on a lot of exchanges with other missionaries and, um, and, and seeing if there was any, any way that the mission could help them in their areas or what their needs were. Uh, we also had kind of a lot of more um, administrative responsibilities in helping uh, set out or organize the transfers and where other missionaries would go and and how they would um, get around if, to different places and as well as picking up and dropping off missionaries at the airport and the new ones coming in and the the more veteran missionaries going out. Um, so yeah, you kind of got to see a lot of the behind the scenes. One thing that opened my eyes was um, really a lot of the the struggles that some missionaries go through that you really have no idea. Uh, about when uh, when you first come into the mission, you don't realize what other people are struggling with, whether that's family problems back home, or um, like personal issues with themselves, whether it's anxiety or depression. 
and it really opened my eyes to really wanting to make sure that you treat uh, every missionary the best that you can because you don't you don't know exactly what's going on in their lives at that moment and that um, if they're sad or if they're if if they don't seem to be perfectly happy then there's probably a reason for it and that we should be there to to support and love them through it yeah. i think that's really good advice um i think often we we show up to church on sunday and we see the elders or the sisters and they're always there in their sunday best um you know smiling being friendly at church and and sometimes we don't really see past the you know the name tag or the smile and we think that that they're just invincible and um often yeah there are really deep and meaningful things going on um in their lives at that moment and so we can be be blessed and benefited most when we're willing to um you know treat the missionaries uh with compassion and and give them our time and and really try and and connect with them on a deeper level than just a smile and a handshake when you take the time to really get to know a missionary in your ward you can really help that missionary out and your life will will definitely be benefited as well i uh i want to i feel like i should share this is like a complaint area here side note completely but i uh i can't stand it when people i feel oftentimes some people will kind of misjudge missionaries um in their ward thinking that, that the missionaries in their ward have it easier than they had it in their when they were a missionary i don't know if you guys seen that but i I don't like it when I see someone think, you know, all oh, those missionaries get fed every day, how easy it is for them, or those missionaries have a car, how easy it is for them. And I, I think along with what we're talking about, every missionary will have a, a circumstance and, and blessings and trials, and I don't think it's right for us to assume that one has it easier than the other. And, and like you were saying, Carl, I think each missionary, they've got stuff going on, and it uh, it's wrong for us to judge them. And um, I think you learn that as a missionary when you see people on the street, you're supposed to see them all as equal and and as brothers and sisters and as people you should love. And uh, and the same goes for as you see missionaries and um, anyone around, like anyone at all within the church or out of the church. That, yeah, um, you should see them as equals. But, yeah, that's my complaint for the week right there. Um, <laughs> did you have any, I guess, Carl, did you have any special experiences as an assistant to the president, as an AP? Was there any... Um, I don't know, like a special moment? Um, w- one thing that we were able to do is uh, spend time with missionaries uh, a day or two before they went home. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd meet together at the mission home with the mission president and they'd have a testimony meeting and the mission president would share his thoughts that he felt impressed to share with the missionaries kind of as his final words to them before they went back home. And those were really, really special moments to to be able to listen in and view the culmination of of all of those missionaries together, all of their faith, and whether it was two years or eighteen months worth of service, kind of come to a climax and to to hear them bear their testimony. Um, that was really special. Uh, it was very a very moving experience for everybody that was there. Uh, a very serious experience as well. Um, to see missionaries transition from missionary life back to to home life, um, and it, yeah, I think those that, that was probably some of the most special moments. Yeah, it's interesting to think that after two years, these young men and women are having their last I don't know, words or statements as missionaries. That'd be an, a cool experience for sure. I, I think of the Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, 
Um, those are some of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament when he kind of just declares, um, uh, he makes a couple statements. And, uh, and as we know, on the cross, was kind of like his final mission there. And I think it's, it's powerful stuff. And I kind of picture that as missionaries, when they're done, they're two-year missions and making their final statements. It's, that's a cool idea. And um, when I was a, a new missionary, I really looked up to a lot of the APs in my mission. And when I was like a brand new missionary, I had this idea that like, oh, it'd be, I really wanted to be an AP, that that'd be awesome. And really quickly for me, that changed really soon once I, <laughs> once I understood a little bit more of what's involved with mission leadership. I tried to, to avoid it as much as possible. But <laughs> one thing that, um, that I always was a little bit envious of the, of the APs, which I think was probably maybe the best part of being an AP, um, the way I see it, it was the chance to spend more time with the mission president. You know, I rarely got to see my mission president. I maybe would run into him once every three, four, five months, maybe. Wow. And so the the thought of the APs who got to, to spend time with him every day, I was always like, man, that must be cool. Um, what type of man was your mission president and what type of, of lessons did he teach you in your life? Um, he was amazing. Not only him, but his entire family. Um, they're a pretty young family. They still have uh, kids that are under the age of 10 at their home and uh, a couple of older daughters that are off at college. Um, but yeah, they're probably in their 40s. And uh, so very young, very active, and very uh, they're very much uh, go-getters in that they, they really want to move things forward and uh, they want to get the best out of you. Um, uh, in the time that I was able to spend with him, uh, we, we talked a lot about, uh, obviously, the mission and the missionaries and their needs and the needs of specific areas. And it was really amazing to see how much they, they cared and how much effort that he actually put into things. Not that I never thought that they didn't, but it was really eye-opening to see how much it's goes on. Stuff, yeah, yeah, to go on behind the scenes, all the counseling that takes place, all, all of the running from from building to building to apartment to apartment from city to city. Especially in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he, was, he was definitely an inspired man who often sought counsel from the Lord and who was, uh, who was very straightforward in, in sharing the revelation that he received. And in, he, was re- he was really, really good at inspiring us as missionaries to be our best, uh, at inspiring us to build faith in Jesus Christ and to have faith that the Lord was hastening his work and that he wanted us to be there. Um, if, I, yeah, if I could sum up my mission president in one word, I think it would be inspiring. And our mission presidents are just one of, of many people that, that inspire us on our missions. We want to absolutely give you some time um, at this point before we move on to talk about any, um, any investigators or any members in the wards down in Texas maybe choose one or two that just come to mind first obviously there's there's probably many and many but just pick one or two that that come straight to mind um and maybe tell us about some of the people that you got to serve and some of the things that you learned from working with them Hmm. um uh, some of the people that amazed me the most were those who were as dedicated to um their discipleship in the gospel as they were to their other everyday tasks. Um, those who, who really took seriously the callings that they received. And, um, and I understand that everybody's circumstances are, are very different. 
but there are some individuals who really go uh, above and beyond what you would expect of them. And uh, missionary, or not missionaries, but uh, members of the church or, or those who you teach who are willing to give up um, some things that otherwise would be, you would think, are very necessary in order to help other people. Uh, those who are willing to sacrifice their own time and their own, uh, the things that are most important to them just so that others can be better off. There's, I, it's tough thinking of one or, one or two individuals specifically. That's okay. There are just so so many. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, after we after we hit a serious moment on this podcast, we always have to stop and lighten it up, mix in a little bit of fun. And so this seems like an appropriate time for us to hit the rapid fire round. Oh yes. <clears throat> this is a. Uh, I don't know. You've probably heard of this, Carl. This is rapid fire. Yeah. On the uh, this one time on my mission podcast here. This is the pure fire, the blue flames of the flame fire. <laughs> um, okay. <and> so we <laughs> we ask uh, a couple of generic slash not so generic questions about your mission, and um, we try to make it as quick responses as possible. We know that doesn't always happen, but it's the questions that get out there rapidly. I'm ready. Okay. So first question here, uh, Carl. How many areas did you serve in? in Houston, Five. Texas? Five areas. Yeah. Okay. How many companions did you have? Uh. 20 or 21. Oh my goodness. Jeez, that's a big number. Okay. Um, would you say on your mission, was it car, bike, or bus? All of the above. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. What was your favorite to do? Bike. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is not mine. That <laughs> For the glutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What about describe your suit, your mission suit? Uh... Wet. (laughs) (laughs) Just moist. It was really hot in Texas. (laughs) What about, uh, what color was it? Was it a blue, a black, a brown? I had a brown one and a gray one. Mm -hmm. Okay, and both wet. (laughs) Um, What about, did you have a pump-up jam? Um, We really liked Nashville Tribute Band. Oh, yeah. A couple of their songs were good hits. Nice, classic jams. A couple of EFY songs, too. Yeah. Okay. Any specific EFY that you can think of? Uh, track number ten on. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> track number ten on EFY two thousand fourteen. Oh yeah. Okay. I know it's that one. Track. <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear the mountains to climb song? Yeah, that's that a really a good, good one. Ooh. Good one. Everyone, give me mountains <laughs> to climb. Give me yep. rivers <laughs> to cross. Give me. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> it's a sing-along. Um, okay, uh, we kind of talked a little bit, but uh, your best meal, worst meal, and your everyday lunch meal. Uh, best meal, probably Texas brisket. Okay. Mm, brisket's good. Just any Texas barbecue. Worst meal, um, I don't know. Oh, I wasn't a big fan of menudo, which is kind of like... I've had menudo. Yeah. Cow intestines yeah. and soup. Wasn't my favorite. Definitely took some guts. <laughs> nice oh, one. one. <laughs> Zinger. And uh, your typical meal, I don't know. Typical meal was like barbecue. A lot of people like to do barbecue for the missionaries. Oh, okay. um, in, in English-speaking areas. In the Spanish-speaking areas, it was very much, very often uh, chicken or, or some sort of meat with rice and 
Coke. And Coke. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Uh, what about your or like a worst smell? <laughs> <laughs> your suit, your wet suit. Uh, an unnamed companion. No. no. <laughs> One of 20. <laughs> no, I think we all had our bad moments, smell-wise. Uh, yeah, it'd probably be... Okay, a companion. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's fine. That's fair. Uh, and then last one here. How about um, hospital visits? Did you have any? Yeah, we, we were able to visit a, a number of people in the hospitals. Okay, but did you have to go to the hospital? Or? <laughs> I did just uh, say that, actually. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not go just to the hospital for anything. Actually, yeah. Well, not for me, but for my companion. Okay. He, uh, he had an ingrown toenail coming in, and we decided to take matters into our own hands. And uh, we went over to another elder's apartment, and we strapped him down and disinfected the toe <laughs> and tried getting rid of it. And then it got infected really, really bad. And so we ended up having to go and get that removed. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Yeah. All right. Awesome. That's the rapid fire. That is rapid fire. And that means it's time for a sip break. Oh yeah. Always love dehydrating. (laughs) 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 Quick, call a doctor. That's true. To my throat. <laughs> I'm dying. Spencer, you want some water? No, I'm gonna have to die. He's on it. Until he drinks it again. Okay, and we're back. But before we get started, let me take a minute here and express what had just happened. Um, we just had a water break. Spencer decided not to have water, wanted to have Dr. Pepper. Um, almost died, but we're good to go. <coughs> Welcome back, Spencer. <laughs> I'm still learning how to swallow <laughs> that's liquids you, properly. That's why you have to have water, not the, not the soda. It's the strong <laughs> stuff. Um... <clears throat> so yeah, if we can make it through this. Uh, Carl, there is one uh, story that we have both heard rumors about, but that we maybe don't have the full details on that we think is a pretty exciting and cool story. It probably wasn't cool for you in the moment, but it definitely is like a cool guy story when when we hear you mention it, we're like, oh yeah, he's a cool guy. <laughs> so like, do you want to fill us in on what happened there? I think you know what we're talking about. Yeah, so uh, my companion and I came home at the end of the night. We had uh, we had really nice apartments, actually, but not in the nicest area of town. But uh, they were gated off, so we always thought that we were safe. Anyways, <clears throat> our usual parking spot was taken, so we had to park at the far end of the lot, and so we did. And we uh, closed the doors to our car, and we turned the corner. And the next thing we know, we hear footsteps coming up, getting louder and louder. And then we have these teenage boys yelling at us. And uh, one of them has a gun, and he's pointing it at my companion's head. And uh, the other one is yelling profanities at us and asks us for our car keys. And, of course, I reach into my pants and give him my car keys. 
and they run off and they didn't shoot us, which was great. And they start our car up and they whiz by us. And then another car that was with them full of kids whiz by, whiz by us again. And yep, we got our car stolen. And uh, <laughs> yep, that's the story in a nutshell. And so even, even, well, so we found out that they'd been doing that to a, a number of areas in the neighborhood. It was part of gang initiation at the time. Uh, so I think we're very fortunate that nothing, were, nothing worse happened. But what was cool is that about a month later, we were on our way to an appointment and my companion decided to go uh, a particular way to get to that appointment, a different way than we usually would. And as we did, we turned the corner, we crossed the bridge over the highway, and in the parking lot of another apartment complex, we saw a car that looked very similar to the one that we were driving, except it looked a little bit more beat up. And so we approached the car, and it definitely was our vehicle. Um, it was missing a tire, it, all the windows had been smashed in, um, everything was taken out of the car except for a baseball bat and a Book of Mormon. <laughs> so, so it's kind of neat. A month later, we found our stolen car, and uh, we never got it back. But wow. what was yeah. the, what was the um, the fallout of that experience? Like like the immediate aftermath when you like I'm assuming did you call the mission office? Or yeah, like? yeah. We well um, first we called. I think we called the police first, mm-hmm. and then Probably we smart. called we called the vehicle coordinator at our mission office. And, <laughs> and fortunately, we were only a few blocks away from where he lived, so he was able to come and help us out. Um, we called the mission president and let him know what had happened. But the immediate aftermath, right after it had happened, uh, my companion kind of looked at me and said. <clears throat> Why'd you give him the keys? <laughs> <laughs> With a gun to his side. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I kind of I had the thought in my head, you mean to tell me if the gun were pointed at my head and you had the keys that you would not have given them? Anyways, so yeah, I was pretty spooked for that night. It was pretty tra- like traumatizing. It didn't seem real. Um, but fortunately, it didn't have too much effect after the following days. Just kind of a cool story to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did uh What did your mom think of that experience? No. <laughs> I wasn't planning on telling my parents, um, but uh, my mission president actually ended up calling my dad, and uh, my dad emailed me about the experience. He told me that uh, the mission president called him and was saying some nice things about me, and that my dad replied, "Well, thank you very much, president, but I I know that's not why you're calling me. What happened to my son?" <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah, he filled him in on on what had happened. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, we just wanted to ask you um, a few last questions about uh, your post-mission life. And one of the reasons I want to do this is because, um, as Carl mentioned, all of our missions kind of overlapped. And so it was probably like about three years since when I left, since I then again saw Carl in my life. And in those three years, to me, Carl changed a lot. Um, People talk about uh, all the time, you know, missionaries who come home different or they change or they mature or, or whatever it is. And for me, um, Carl was one of the people that I think changed the most in, in positive ways. <coughs> um, and he, he did it in a really wonderful way because Carl still maintains his really silly personality um, to me. But as well, I think Carl has just become really responsible and really an adult, and he impresses me a lot sometimes when I'm trying to do adult things in my life. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to, like, uh, like renew my passport or uh, fill out taxes or 
pay rent or drink water. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I wish I could just get Carl to do this for me. He seems so <laughs> capable. Um, we went on a road trip with Carl and his wife last summer to drive back to Vancouver and visit my mission. And on that road trip, Carl was listening to a another podcast about... Um, personal finance <laughs> and <laughs> listening to um, people uh, talking about how they became debt-free in their lives or something like that. Yeah. And um, <laughs> anyways, so that's not, so, to me, um, the 16-year-old Carl that I knew and loved uh, was not <laughs> one who was going to listen to a personal finance podcast with his time. And so Carl, tell us, um, do you... Think, did you see these changes happening in you? Do you think that you've changed a lot as a person or is it just something that that only I'm seeing? <laughs> no, definitely. Looking in hindsight, I can see big differences. Of course, um, as it's happening, it's not something that you see day by day, but month by month and, and year by year, it's definitely big changes that you see. Um, and and like you said, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that I've changed a lot. I, I think I like myself now better than I did four years ago. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think one wonderful thing about missions and missionary opportunities is that you're away for so long that you can really reinvent who you are and reinvent, your, reinvent yourself. Um, I mean, most of us grew up in a town where other people know who we are and kind of know the things that we've done or, or the accomplishments or things uh, or, or other things that we've done. But as a missionary, nobody around you knows any of that. And uh, everybody's kind of on on an even playing field. And it really gives you a wonderful opportunity to reinvent who you are and, and to become the person that you've always wanted to be. And uh, as a missionary, you're also able to establish the foundation uh, of the gospel or establish the gospel as the foundation of your life. And so if you do kind of wipe your slate clean and, and establish that as your foundation and build upon that, I think you're definitely going to see big changes. Um, that's not to say that you're going to completely wipe out your personality and your sense of humor and, and the things that you like to do, but uh, those things will just be be a nice thing added on top. And do you have any follow-up questions? Uh, I, and yeah, same for me. I didn't get to see you for three years, Carl. Uh, I came home and you were married. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's, uh, I don't know, what advice do you have for, I don't know, missionaries? That, when you come home for your mission, that's the next step. That's the big thing. Um, I came home and, yeah, my brother and my cousin, Spencer and Carl, were both married. Um, <laughs> what advice do you have for people with that, and that, that being the step to take? What, what did you do to, to take that step? Um, I think, again, it's going to be very different for everybody. I think it's, it's, understand, it's, it's important to understand the importance of, of that time in your life or, or having that goal in mind. But, of course, it's going to happen at different times, on different timelines for everybody. Um, but as, as me and my wife, Rebecca, um, were dating and began to be more, more serious, um, one thing that really helped us is how open we were with one another in the things that we talked about and in our goals and um, where we, I guess, the things that were most important to us and where we wanted to see ourselves in 10, 15 years. And uh, fortunately for me, those things seemed to match up on a lot of points and, and, uh, and things worked out. So we've been married for 
nine months and three days now. Woohoo! Oh, so romantic. Quite a while. So, Carl, do you have any other advice for recently returned missionaries who are just getting back from their missions? I do. Uh, one of the things that helps me a lot um, is to look back at uh, my mission journals or pictures and to just take time to think and reflect on the experiences that I had. There are things that, uh, that I really don't ever want to forget that I hope I can continue to share with other people. And as I reflect on those special experiences um, that I had while I was in Houston as a missionary, I, I feel very boosted and I feel very happy and I feel motivated to be able to continue to have those experiences. So to those missionaries who are home, if you're listening to this, uh, I would encourage you to, yeah, to, to look back on your mission uh, moments often, as often as you need to, and to, to never forget them. Well, Carl, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you um, driving all the way out here, even with a broken back and <laughs> strained um, discs and everything that's going on with your Body. derriere right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we, yeah, we want to thank you for your advice, your stories. And is there anything else that you want to share with the people? No, the gospel is true. It's wonderful, and uh, and this is a wonderful podcast, and I hope that it's uh, helped you prepare for your mission or uh, enlightened your day. Oh, thank you. Um, we hope the same thing. We thank all of our listeners for listening and giving us their time. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, we would love that. And there's a few ways to do so. And as always, we're going to make Ben go through the list. I don't like this part. Um, I think... <laughs> let me okay so there's toto my mission this one time on my mission the instagram like i talked about at the beginning um please send us your pictures there um follow us do all that good stuff like every one of our pictures not just one but all of them um we're on twitter same thing toto my mission t-o-t-o my mission um there's our gmail account which is spelt out this one time on my mission at gmail.com you can email email us your uh, your questions that you have that we we can talk about uh, on the podcast uh, we're not on facebook yet um, let us know if you want us to be there though we can um, no no snapchat no vine that's not a thing anymore i think that's good i think that's it i think you covered okay. all of them <laughs> even all the ones we don't have you're welcome um, i think it's important for all the recently returned missionaries out there that we just let them know that on Instagram, if there's like a girl you like that you have a crush on, it would be really weird for you to go to her page and like every single one of her photos that she's ever posted. Um, but we are, that is completely appropriate for you to do with your favorite podcast. That's something that, that is okay. So just, just to make that distinction. And uh, that's it for us this week. Thank you all for listening. Ben, do you have any words of wisdom for us on our way out? Uh, I always do. Um, in life, please look for the symbiotic relationships, you know, where you can both benefit because that's the best way to do it. Nice.
<laughs> I'm just excited for the corn dogs. So I should preheat the oven, actually. Yeah. Are you guys ready to eat, assuming this is over? I'm always ready to eat. You want french fries too, or just corn dogs? <laughs> Whatever you want. French yeah.
Alright, that works. Moist. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh, that hurts. Boys. That medicine's working really well. Um, okay. <laughs> Got to come up with a better question? No, that's, that'll be funny. Hospital visits, and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went numerous times. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, for yourself. 